If you weren't here last week, we're in this uh, series called The Land Between, and uh, we're studying through the life of Moses. And last week we looked at um, uh, the burning bush episode with Moses, and then we looked at the end of his life as well, um, which is just fascinating because um, the scripture says that God buried Moses, which is just a, a fascinating thought. And the invitation last week, since some of you weren't here, was simply this. Would you come and join us this summer on the invitation of getting to know God as we study about God through the life of Moses? And and really about how do we navigate transitions, because that's what Moses does. He leads an entire nation through transitions. So the land between is about navigating transitions. And we said, hey, it's not so much um, how you lead yourself through the transitions that I'm so worried about right now. It's about you knowing God. And if you know God, then you'll lead yourself through the transitions correctly. So we just invited you to come join us on the journey of getting to know God this summer. And that's what I hope you'll do. Hopefully you'll dive into some discussion groups afterwards and really process this whole thing. But um, I'm learning about transitions as I'm studying for this. And um, so uh, last week we just said transitions are unavoidable. If you grow up, if you live in this, in, in this world, if you have a pulse, you cannot avoid transitions. You cannot be like, I'm not going to go through transitions in life. They're going to happen. You, you're not immune to them. Another thing that I, I'm observing about transitions is that they usually require us to leave something behind. Transitions usually require us to leave something behind. And just think about it for a moment. I mean, um, you know, when you were growing up, like when you transitioned from like high school to college, some of you are going through that right now, but you know, you left some things behind. You left, some of you, if you go off to school, you leave family behind. You left your locker behind at school, which that was a good thing probably. You're like, I'll never have to see you again. My high school locker, I'm done with you. I'm gone. You know, maybe you were attached to your locker and you had pictures in it and thought it was the coolest locker ever. But most of you are like, I'm ready to not see you anymore. You know, that kind of thing. Um, You left your reputation behind. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're leaving your reputation behind. And and, And for some of you, that's a really good thing. You get a, a chance. We were in a, a discussion about this talk this week and with our team, and, and one of the team members said, um, for me, I loved it. It was a chance for me to reinvent myself. I needed a chance to reinvent myself. Somebody's like, what do you mean? He's like, you're, you were a senior. You were at the top of the food chain. And, and he was like, no, 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 not me. I was, I was still in the bottom of the food chain, even as a senior in high school. He's like, man, I looked at college, and I had a chance to reinvent myself. And for many of you going, taking that next step, you get a new, fresh start. And that's a really, really cool thing. That's a really great opportunity. You always kind of leave things behind as you grow up and leave transitions. Another transition that you left things behind from kindergarten, you remember back that young, kindergarten, little, to first grade, what did you leave behind when you went from kindergarten to first grade? Anybody remember? Cubbies. What? Naps. Yes. You left naps behind. Wouldn't that be great? Like if, you know, you went from like, you know, high school to college, it was like reinstitution of naps. It's like, you know, what you do it anyway, I, I know that. You skip that eight o'clock class and be like, it's nap time already at eight. That's awesome. But you know, you leave things behind in life. And so that's what transitions do. It, it requires us to leave things behind. Another observation that we're going to focus on tonight that transitions require of us is that I, I believe when you leave things behind, transitions require us to persevere. Transitions require 
us to persevere. And as we look at this summer and as we get more into the story this summer, you're going to see there's a tendency sometimes to want to go back. But transitions, if we're really going to go through them and be successful and lead ourselves through them, they require us to persevere. And so tonight we're looking at Moses' life and we're going to dive into the scripture and we're just going to look at a few verses actually in the book of Hebrews. And you're like, whoa, that's New Testament. And it's like, yeah, that's New Testament. But it talks about Moses in the New Testament. So we're going to look at Hebrews tonight. And it's Hebrews eleven twenty four through 27. And this is what it says. It says, by faith. Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And so here's what he did. We don't want to go to this yet. Yeah, we just stay right there. Um, he, let me just read that again. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And so we talked about this last week, that Moses you know, got in this situation where he had to, like, flee Egypt. And so, because he saw what was going on with uh, the Hebrews and how the Egyptians were treating his own people. And so this is the, the passage here where it actually happens. We just discussed it last week, but it's Exodus 2, 11 through 14. He says, one day, after Moses had grown up, so just to catch you up again, if you weren't there, Moses was born, and when he was born, there was an edict in Egypt to kill all Baby boys. So his mother hid him for three months, and then when she couldn't hide him anymore, she put him in a basket in the Nile River, a basket that floated. She made that. That was pretty cool. She floated it over down the Nile River to the daughter of Pharaoh. She took him in and raised him as her own kid. And so now Moses has grown up, and when he went out to where his own people, those are the Hebrews, were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Now, here's the deal with this verse. That's a huge thing that takes place because he had every right as an Egyptian. He was the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had privileges. He had riches. He had rights. And it says that he goes out and he's like checking on his own people, the Hebrews. And he's seeing them mistreated and he doesn't like what he sees. And then he's got a decision to make. And he decides, I'm going to stick up for my own people. And he kills the Egyptian that is mistreating the Hebrews. So, next verse. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one and the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? They respond. The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Which is just ironic if you think about that verse for a moment. He says, who made you ruler and judge over us? And when I say, when you think about that verse for a moment, like what happens with Moses, just the irony of that verse. But anyway, are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. And so what happens here is that he, has to, he goes on the run because Pharaoh finds out about this killing. And he goes on the run. And so we pick up in Hebrews um, 11, 26 and 28. He says, He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him 
who is invisible. And I just want to talk about that for just a moment. So here's the thing. Moses identifies with his people, sees his people mistreated, ends up killing the Egyptian who's mistreating them. So he's putting his neck on the line as someone who has the rights of an Egyptian, now identifying himself with the Hebrews. And then all of a sudden, his own Hebrews, the next day, he goes out to them. He's like, hey, stop fighting. He's like, hey, who made you ruler over us? Are you going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And then he goes on the run for his life. He flees Egypt and goes on the run. And what's so crazy about this is that actually when he goes on the run, he, he flees to this town called Midian. And when he gets to Midian, he meets this woman named Zipporah. And Zipporah and him become husband and wife. They marry and they have a kid and they name the kid Gershom, okay? Or Gershom, however you want to pronounce your Hebrew in English. Either way, Gershom or Gershom. I don't know how it's pronounced correctly. Just being honest with you. And what's interesting about the name is that the name means a stranger in the foreign land. A stranger in a foreign land. Now here's what's just crazy and fascinating, and we don't have time to go into all of it tonight, but just think about it for a moment. Everything that we just kind of whipped through really quick, okay? He was raised Egyptian. He tried to identify with the Hebrews. Really, not really accepted by either one. And now he's on the run in a foreign land, he names his kid Gershom. Poor kid. Sorry. Kid, you got Gershom as your name. You're a stranger in a foreign land. And he's kind of having this identity crisis in some ways. It's like, what's going on here? You know, I mean, he's totally, I mean, you name your son a stranger in a foreign land. He's saying, I don't belong here. I don't know what's going on. But what's amazing about Moses is that he continues to persevere. He never gives up. Does he complain? Yes. Does he have doubts? Surely he has doubts every now and then. But he keeps going. He keeps following God. He keeps pursuing. Yeah, he follows kicking and screaming sometimes. And he's like, God, don't make me do this. I don't want to do this. Did, you, did I tell you I didn't want to do this? He's like, no, no, I'm choosing you to do this. Follow me. And it's like, what is going on with that? What is in him that he continues to persevere? If we can put uh, Hebrews 11, 26 and 28 back up again. I think it's coming back up. I hope it's coming back up. This last verse. <clears throat> By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. And this is what we need to take hold of tonight. See, this whole burning bush experience that we discussed last week. You remember that? Moses is out in the wilderness. Bush is on fire. A voice calls from the bush. And it's like, hey, Moses. And he's like, what? The bush is on fire and it's talking to me. What's going on here? Okay. All of a sudden, an angel of the Lord is in the bush. And Moses is having this encounter with God from at this point in time had been invisible. Had not been seen. Okay. Maybe Adam and Eve had seen him, but that's about it. All right. And he's having this conversation with God. And the scripture tells us that he continues to persevere. Now, you'd be like, well, that's simple. I mean, I would totally persevere too if God spoke to me through a burning bush. I mean, I, I totally hear your argument in that. It's like, yeah, if, if God wants to really, if he wants me, like, 
to do that, to do his will, and that's what he thinks his will is, and then speak to me in a burning bush, and I will follow God, okay? Like, maybe that's your objection. And as I was thinking about this tonight, I was just thinking about Jesus and the encounter that he has with Thomas after he's risen from the dead. And Thomas was one of the disciples who didn't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. As much as the reports had come back, he was like, what? Risen from the dead? No way. That's not possible. That's a miracle. That cannot happen. And then finally, Thomas meets Jesus, risen from the dead. And Jesus says to him, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. You believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe and have not seen. As I was thinking about this and preparing, I'm just thinking, okay, Moses had an encounter with the invisible God. Have I ever had an encounter with the invisible God? Like, have I had encounters with God? And, and I started thinking, was, well, I've never had a burning bush experience, just to tell you that. I know you're, that surprises you, but I haven't. And, um, and I've never heard God speak audibly, never heard the voice of God in that way before. But as I think about my life, and I don't know about you as you think about your life, I know that I've seen images of the invisible God throughout my life. And I really wish I could tell you all the images of God that I have seen. I wish I could just spend the rest of the time. And I feel like if I did that, if I started naming the different experiences, you would think that I was like trying to brag or, or puff myself up or anything. But I just want to tell you a few of the things that I've experienced that I think maybe you have experienced as well. Okay, here's the first one. I think just being born in this country, I have experienced... The grace of God. Being born in a free country, I've experienced the grace of God. Being born and having a country that I could have the word of God, that I could have the Bible and not be persecuted for reading it. That's, that's grace. And you're like, well, wait, wait a minute. That doesn't sound like an image. And it's like, well, that leads me to an image of God. The grace of God, the experience of God. Actually, being born on this side of the cross of Jesus Christ is, is just the fact that we get to know that God in the flesh came to earth, that he died on a cross for our sins, that he was raised from the dead because he's still alive today. I don't know if you know that or believe that, but Jesus Christ is alive today. That is grace. That is an image of God. Jesus Christ is an image of God this one historical image of God that we have today in this day and age. Another image of God, I'm just going to tell you, just make this quick and we'll move on. I don't know what your images of God are and what you've thought about. As you think about, man, how have you experienced God? Have you seen him in other people? Have you seen him in the influences in your life? But another one for me is this. Is it, it's a great one. Uh, maybe you've, you've experienced this. Um, when I sin... When I sin, there is conviction in my life by the Holy Spirit. And though I'm not excited about my sin, and when I choose to do wrong, when I choose to disobey, what I love about those moments is when the Holy Spirit comes on my life and says, Hey, what are you doing? What's going on there? Really? You're, you want to do that again? Like... 
Seriously, you think that's going to satisfy you? And what I love about those moments, as much as they're like hard and convicting, is to me it's evidence that God is real. It's evidence that God is real. That's what I love about John, the Gospel of John, describing the Holy Spirit. It says, the world does not see him and does not know him, but you know him because he lives in your heart. And that's the image. That's an image of God that I've experienced. And so what I know to be true about Moses is that he had this encounter with the invisible God. And it inspired him to persevere through it all. And so how do we persevere? That's what I want to look at tonight. And the good news is Hebrews keeps talking about this. And we're going to dive into this. Because if we're going to go through transitions, and we are going to go through transitions, we've got to figure out how to persevere. It says in Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and I love that because that's Moses. Moses is in the cloud. Before there was the cloud, Moses was in the cloud. Before I ever knew what the cloud was, before technology came around and invented the cloud, Moses was there surrounding us going, I'm here. I'm in the cloud of witnesses. I've gone before you. I've persevered. I've seen God. I know God. I was around when I had my doubts of faith. But I'm telling you, God's real. And he's worth persevering for. That's Moses. He's in the cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders. And that's really interesting, those, those words. Let us throw off everything that hinders. And it's like, what is that? Well, is that sin? It's like, no, no, no. That's just things that get in the way. And it's like, well, what is that? What are things that hinder? Have you thought about that? I mean, I know many of you know this verse. But have you thought about things that hinder you from persevering? Things that might get in the way. And so just a couple of these things. I don't know if you relate to them. And, and the thing about hindrances is they're not the same for everybody. I mean, I'm just telling you some that I think might be some hindrances for guys. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with these things. Uh, video games. You know, especially when you're at school. You know, is that, does that help you get the A in the class or does that get you the C in the class? You know, video games, uh, sports center. Okay, finally you got some laughter. That's great. I appreciate you're with me. You're out there. No, but seriously, I have a friend of a friend who, um, he, he said it this way. And he was like, I know I'm in bad shape when I'm watching the reruns of SportsCenter. And so you guys don't know. Maybe you don't know what the reruns of SportsCenter are now because now they have the East Coast and West Coast version. And they're still the same stories, but they're hosted by different people now. But there was a day in time where SportsCenter just rolled and it, you just watched the whole thing. And you'd watch the whole thing again. And you're like, I've already seen these stories. And I had a friend, he's like, I know my life is bad and I'm in a bad place when I'm watching the second round of SportsCenter. Crazy. Um, hindrances for me the other night, Atlanta Braves, I love them. We're going Friday night. I hope you'll join us. But when they play on the West Coast, it's not a good thing for me. I'll be honest with you. It's Friday night. I'm doing a wedding on Saturday. I'm stressed out about it. 
be honest with you, I was, I was like preparing for that, thinking about this, and I heard, man, they're going extra innings. I got to know who's going to win. I don't even have Fox Sports South. I'll be honest with you. I'm just like, I don't even know if it was on Fox Sports South because I don't have it. But I just turned on the radio. I'm laying in bed. It's one in the morning. I'm like, come on, what is going on? Sure enough, I turn the thing off and the game ends like two minutes later. I'm like, man, what in the world? But it's a hindrance. It's a hindrance for me. NBA Finals for some of us. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with watching it. I watched it, loved it. Some ways loved it, some ways hated it. I don't know. I'm not saying who I'm cheering for, but I'm just saying they could be a hindrance. Girls, I don't know. I love seeing you here tonight. It's awesome, um, especially since The Bachelorette is on, okay? I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's, that could be a miracle of God. Alex Park, are you in the room tonight? Yeah, but you're recording it, right? Yes, I thought so. I love you for that, that you are here. Hindrances. Shopping, maybe, ladies. Shopping, shoes might be a hindrance for some of you ladies. I don't know what's your hindrances. Those are fun things. There's nothing wrong with them. They could get in the way, though. I mean, what do you spend your energy around? What do you spend your time doing? What do you think about at night? What do you wound up about? What are you crazy about? What consumes your mind and your thoughts and your actions? What controls you? Those are things that could be hindrances. But if we don't know what those things are, if we think that those things aren't really that bad or things that don't really get in the way, then in the, the writer of Hebrews says, and the sin that so easily entangles. And that's just a whole different conversation that starts right there. And what's so amazing about the way they position the word sin in the original language is that it's about uh, location, which really means it, it keeps you somewhere. That, and that's why that it so easily entangles is it, it binds you up. It allows you not to run. Like it, it, it allows you not to move. It enslaves you. And sin separates, and we know that. Sin separates us from God. Sin breaks fellowship. And I don't know what it is for you that you struggle with. I mean, it's, it's easy to throw things out, and it's easy to laugh about different things. But, you know, we did this series last fall, and it was a fascinating series. It's one of the, my favorite series. Kristen and I and Billy Phoenix and Sam Collier, we all did it together. And uh, it was called Wake Up. And we took a survey of you guys, 199 of you took the survey, which was awesome. And you told us that some of the things that you struggled with, one of the highest things on there was jealousy. And I just thought it was interesting that jealousy was one of the highest things that you struggle with. Because it means that, to me, I just think it's an assessment that you're not satisfied with life. Because you want other things. And, and either you're not good enough or you don't measure up or you wish you had that other person's life or you wish you had their stuff, but you, you can't measure up, you can't attain, you can't reach it. And it's like you struggle with that. And it's like, what's your perspective? I mean, the other one that was really high, I mean, it's not any shock to you with sex. And y'all were very honest about that. And porn was up there. And that's on the guys and girls side there. Substance abuse. Cheating was on there. Stealing was on there. I was like, really? Stealing? I didn't know. I mean, I really didn't know that the students struggled with that. 
But there were people on the sermon who's like, man, I'm, I steal. That's one of my problems. And I don't know what it is for you, but you know what it is. As soon as I read the sin that so easily entangles you, it totally came up in your mind right then. You know what it is. And here's the rest of the verse. And let us run. No, no, no. Let us, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And so the writer, if we can go back just from the beginning, can we go back? Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Of faith. And, and, and um, just stay back on the, I'm sorry. Can you stay on verse two, please? Yeah. Let us run with perseverance. He says, let us, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And he says, just look at him. Just look at Jesus. You know? That's what we got to do. We have to look at Jesus. Because he is the pioneer. He is the author. He is the perfecter. He's the one that we can have confidence in of our faith. But the key phrase is we got to run with perseverance. And running with perseverance is an action. It's an action. It's something that we do. And we run with perseverance, which is patient endurance or passionate patience. And so you're going to endure. You're going to last. And and that's so weird because you're running, but you're being patient. You feel that? You're running, but you're being patient while you run. So you're, you're not hurrying, but you're running. And the thing about it is you're running after something. You're running after Jesus. That's the reward you're running for. You're running for him, that you would glorify him, that you would honor him with your life. He's the one that's going to satisfy you. And he's the one that's going to help you persevere. When I was in college, the Division II National Championships for cross-country were being held in um, Riverside, California. Any cross-country runners in the room? Cross-country? Raise them high. I want to see them. That's awesome. Great stuff. So, cross-country runners, what do you do before a cross-country race, before it happens? What do you do? Besides stretch, what do you do? Warm up. Yeah, that's true, but what else? You walk the course, right? Do you walk the course? If you don't know the course, you walk the course, right? Okay, so the national championships have in, in Riverside, California, and there's 128 Division II colleges there, and there's a guy there by the name of Mike Del Cavo. He's from, um, let me make sure I get the school right. He is from Western State College in Gunnison, Colorado. Beautiful place, I assume, because it's in Colorado. He walks the course before the race, like every other 128 runners. It's the national championship. You want to know where you're going. The gun goes off. The race begins. They're three miles into the race. And all of a sudden, the lead runner misses the turn. And he keeps going straight. And the second guy behind him follows him. And the third guy, and the fourth guy, and the fifth guy, and the sixth guy, and the 50th guy follows him. And Mike Del Cavo has been waiting in the middle of the pack. And he gets to the turn, and he turns right. And he says, hey, guys, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. 
the turn is right here, go this way. And he starts yelling at people and he starts yelling at people. He's like, it's this way. I've walked the course. I know the course. This is a national championship. You think I'm going to mess this up? I'm going this way. And he goes this way and he goes right. And only five other people follow him. The lead runner cuts off three-fourths of a mile of the course. Six minutes ahead of everybody else. He was flying because he didn't have to run the full 6.2-mile course. And when Mike Del Cavo comes out of the woods and hits the turn on the golf course, he can see the entire field has finished. But he knows one thing. I've run the right way. I'm going the right way. And he begins to like pick up the pace. He's looking at the five guys behind him. And he's like, I'm going to win this thing. I'm going to be the national championship. I'm going to be the champion. And he starts picking up the pace. He's leaving the guys behind. He's like, what should I do when I cross the finish line? Should I put one hand up in there? Should I put two hands up in the air? Should I say, look at me? Should I say, y'all are all dumb. You should have listened to me and gone the right way. And he crosses the finish line and he's like, yes. I mean, the other four guys are coming up there thanking him. They're like, congratulations, man. That was incredible. Aren't you so happy that we did this the right way, that we went the right way? Is this not incredible? I mean, incredible, amazing. And there were some conversations going on among the crowd and people couldn't believe it. They're like, man, what were you doing following that guy? Why were you going that way? I mean, didn't you, didn't you walk the course too? And it's like, I just knew that, that, that the pack was going that way. I just, I knew everybody stayed that way. So I'm just going to go with the pack. Well, the NCAA Division II officials got together and they determined that the shortened course would be the official course for the national championship. And Mike Del Cava finished 123rd place. And they officially named him, everyone there, right way Del Cava for running the right way. It's a bummer of a story, isn't it? Well, I just want to say that that's the truth for us today in the culture that we live in. No one's going to celebrate you for running the right way. No one's going to prop you up and say, well done. No one's going to pat you on the back, especially in these years, and say, look at you. You're doing a great job. Everybody's going to tell you that you're crazy if you choose to run the race that's marked out for you. I mean, Moses had a lot of opposition. At times he wrestled with God and was like, God, they're gonna think I'm crazy. He's like, no, they're not. He's like, God, will you send somebody else? And he's like, no, I'm choosing you. And Moses persevered. And some of you tonight, I'm just being honest with you, you're sitting here and you, you hear the word hindrances and the sin that so easily entangles and you just are like cringing. Because you're like, I, I really 
don't want to deal with my junk right now. I mean, you're, you're here and you're like, man, that was enough to get me in the room tonight. But you're like, I don't want to deal with my junk. And you know what your junk is, but you're like, seriously, I mean, I, I just, you know, this is summertime, you know, come on. And I'm just telling you right now, there is no greater time than right now than for you to deal with your stuff. The things that are going to entangle you, the things that are going to keep you from persevering, the things that are going to get you off course. This final verse is Hebrews 12, 3 says that 12, yeah, 3 says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not be tired and you will not be discouraged. And I'm telling you, the beautiful thing about where you are tonight is that no matter where you are, all it takes is this simple word that we don't like to talk about a lot. And it's called repentance. And repentance is simply this. It means changing your direction. It means turning around and going another way. That's all it is. And you're like, but I've got so much crap in my life. That's okay. You can turn around. You might bring some of the crap with you, but you can turn around and start running it in a different direction. Hopefully you can leave most of it behind, but you just got to turn around and you got to look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, and you got to fix your eyes on him. When I don't fix my eyes on him, I don't run very well. And that's all you have to do is put your eyes on him and start running to him. Start looking at him. He is your reward. He is your reward. And he is so worth running for and running towards. So my hope is that you'll begin that process of turning around and running after him. And it can happen in a moment. That's a beautiful thing. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for grace tonight. And I thank you so much for the grace that we have to live in today. 2013, June 10th. It's amazing that we have breath, that we have life, that we have your word And I thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who gives us the abundant life that you have called us to, that we've heard about already tonight, that's been prayed for, and that you have called us into a life that's fully satisfied, fully satisfies our souls, the thirst, the longing, the aching in our souls. And you're the only thing that can satisfy our souls, God. And so I just pray, God, that you would teach us and show us, not just tonight, but this entire summer, what it means to run hard after you and to run the race that's marked out for us. And Heavenly Father, I just pray for a student that is entangled right now. And I just thank you that they got here tonight. I thank you that you're for them tonight. And I just pray that they would feel you, God. They would feel your grace. That they would know the image of an invisible God. Because we know the truth today that Jesus Christ has set everyone who is in Christ free from sin and from death. 
And so would you lead us to know you more, to run after you, to walk in your grace, and to let go of the things that would keep us from persevering and enduring for our reward. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.